Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Anne is a 65-year-old nurse who has painful osteoarthritis of the knees, with the left being worse than the right. She also has long-standing diabetes and has some orthostatic hypotension from her autonomic neuropathy that causes her to fall from time to time. She is considering having a knee replacement, but she is worried because her friend who's had one was on blood thinners afterwards, and she is concerned with her history of falling that this might be a problem for her. She asks if this is really necessary after her knee surgery and what her options are. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in Family Medicine at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and Executive Editor at Dynamed. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Frank. So knee problems are uh, are a constant thought on my mind as well as your patient Anne's. Um, having a total knee replacement or having hip surgery, hip replacement, um, it's pretty common to be on, on uh, anticoagulants afterwards. What are, what are the risks of blood clots following knee or hip surgery? Well, the risks are fairly high, but it's a fairly complicated question. What happened was in the older studies when they wanted to know what were the risks of getting blood clots after a major surgery uh, on the lower extremity, knees or hips, they would screen patients uh, before they left the hospital. And what they found was there was a large number of asymptomatic deep vein thromboses. In one study from Taiwan, there was a reported rate of almost uh, 50% of DVTs, but most were calf DVTs and they resolved on their own and these were not symptomatic. More recent studies tend to focus only on symptomatic cases. And unfortunately, there have been no placebo-controlled trials since the idea of anticoagulation for preventing DVTs has become routine practice. So during that time, there's also been advances in surgical technique and in post-operative management. We now mobilize people much earlier. And so looking at the historical data, it makes it hard to know what the real answer is. However, the best current estimates are that there's probably about a 4 to 5% risk of either symptomatic blood clot in the leg or pulmonary embolus in the first 35 days following surgery, and by 90 days, that increases to about 7%, with about 5% of that being DVT and the other 2% being pulmonary embolism. And that's even in the face of anticoagulation. Okay, so even with anticoagulants, the risk is still 5 to 7% over time. Um, what are the recommended approaches for the prevention of symptomatic um, blood clots? Well, there is no consensus among the guideline groups. That the, helps. Um, yeah, right. The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons uh, looked at this uh, some years ago and decided the data was insufficient to make any recommendations. American College of Chest Physicians basically recommended that uh, patients have anticoagulation for a minimum of 10 to 14 days and suggested extending it out to 35 days. They recommended either low molecular weight heparin, fondoparinux, the uh, direct oral anticoagulants such as apixaban, dabigatran, or rivaroxaban. 
Uh, they also said you can use warfarin or unfractionated heparin or an intermittent pre compression device. Uh, and finally, uh, the uh, NICE group out of uh, the UK uh, also recommended uh, VT prophylaxis, but suggested that aspirin alone uh, was an option as an alternative. I will say all three groups have recommended some form of VTE. It's just what type uh, nobody can quite agree on. And uh, the guideline groups, uh, well, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeon, their guideline is from 2011, and the American College of Chest Physicians is from 2012. So it's not like they have really looked at uh, recent data and revised their uh, recommendations. Well, for someone who's uh, considering a total knee replacement, um, is aspirin an effective alternative? Well, to answer this question, uh, some researchers from the UK recently conducted a systematic review, and uh, the results were published in JAMA Internal Medicine. And they found 13 randomized trials that compared aspirin to anticoagulants for VTE prophylaxis. Now, there was a lot of variation amongst the trials. Uh, some included patients with either a total knee replacement or a total hip replacement. Others, it was only one type of surgery. Some patients got initially an anticoagulant for a few days, then aspirin, even in the aspirin group, and others only got aspirin. There were about 6,000 uh, patients, more or less, across the 13 trials. And what they found was that there was no significant difference in the rates of uh, venous thromboembolism between those treated with aspirin and those treated with anticoagulation. When they looked specifically at uh, deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolism as separate conditions, there were still no significant differences for either of those outcomes. And finally, when they looked at individual agents, there was no difference between aspirin compared to low molecular weight heparin or aspirin compared to rivaroxaban. The adverse effects did not differ between the groups either. I'll tell you, that is really fantastic data. I think that's really startling, and aspirin is inexpensive, it's easily available, um, it's, it, it, its risks worry me far less um, for uh, daily use than, than doing something that uh, could have significant other bleeding risks. I, I, I can only imagine our poor patient, Anne, who falls, being on something like uh, a direct thrombin inhibitor and, and hitting her head. Uh, that, could be, that could be pretty scary. Well, uh, this is great. This is informative for those of us in primary care, but we don't do knee and hip surgery. How do our colleagues in orthopedic surgery feel about this recommendation? Well, orthopedic surgeons uh, are all over the place, and I will first tell you that the orthopedic surgeons often have a dim view of articles that are published in non-orthopedic journals. That being said, uh, it's worth noting that four of the randomized trials from this paper came after the most recent uh, American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery recommendations. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are some updates to this. I think the orthopedic surgeons are more comfortable advising aspirin because they're worried about bleeding risks postoperatively. Now, you might say, well, are they going to be looking for advice? I think in places where you have um, hospitalists who are doing a lot of the postoperative management or in a rehab facility, I think they may be starting to look to, the, to guidance from the, their uh, medical colleagues on these types of things. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of pushback. I think they are reluctant to go with the uh, anticoagulants if they don't have to. I know uh, I had surgery on my lower leg uh, a couple years ago, 
and I was treated with aspirin afterwards. And I remember thinking at the time, does this really work? Uh, you know, because we're used to thinking about things like atrial fibrillation, where we know that aspirin is inferior to anticoagulation for you know preventing clotting. Um, and so, uh, so I was really intrigued by this study, just as you are, Frank, because it shows that often the amount of benefit we actually need in clinical practice uh, for that, aspirin may be very effective. And aspirin is cheap. Uh, these other drugs often have significant copays, in addition to all the side effects that you mentioned. This paper is certainly going to change how I go about counseling patients, and it also changes my view about what I might do after, uh, if and when I go about getting a knee replacement. Alan, wonderful information. Thank you so much. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. Consider counseling your patients about the use of aspirin for the prevention of blood clots after knee or hip replacement. Join us next time when we talk about a new approach to treating mild asthma. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com podcast and see you next week.